All right, it's the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin here with Frank Tucker, and we are going to discuss Miami versus Pittsburgh. But before we get into that, just wanted to say to follow and subscribe, canescounty.com. Also, follow us on YouTube as well, live from Canes County. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook as well. We actually have a promotion going on this weekend. Uh, Rivals 22 would be the promo, co- promo code, Rivals 22, and that's just for $22. Uh, you can have access to our exclusive content for an entire year. So we're at the last game of the season, Frank, Miami versus Pittsburgh. When this season started, we figured this game was going to decide the Coastal Division, and it's been – Anything but that, it's really just going to decide if likely if Miami's going to a bowl game. If they win, great. Yeah, we get to go to a bowl game. We get to six and six. Woohoo! But uh, if they lose, wow, it could be really, really gloomy around the University of Miami football uh, program. And I feel like this team really wasn't properly assessed at the beginning of the season based on depth, based on the injuries that we have, uh, based on personnel and the schemes that we run. So it's kind of to just be uh, this last game of the season and only hope for eligibility. I, you were breaking up. I'm sorry. I said uh, it, it's kind of a depressing time uh, that uh, we are uh, only going into bola, only looking for bola eligibility here. And, and yeah, I mean, hope to win. Yeah, I mean, you and I spoke about at the beginning of the year what our expectations were for the season. I think we were talking like nine to eleven wins was was what we were looking at. A little crazy, right? Pitt got Caden Slovis. I know that they lost, you know, a special wide receiver to USC. But overall, like these were two of the most talented teams in the conference, especially in the coastal side of things. Um, and, and obviously, Pittsburgh had talent at running back. Outside of their potential, you know, award-winning running back, they had guys like Vincent Davis and and Daniel Carter, who were both South Florida guys. There, there was enough talent for them to be good, as well as Miami. And it seems like both teams have kind of disappointed this year. Um, with Miami, uh, for us to be happy with six wins and a, a potential bowl opportunity is, is definitely different than what we were talking about. Um, but we know the struggles that have happened throughout the year. It's been injuries. It's been, you know, coaching coaching issues. It's been red zone woes. It's been, you know, changing at quarterback on a weekly basis. Offensive line dwindling down to six guys. One thing after the other, cornerbacks not being able to cover on the outside. It, I, I think – Anything that can go wrong this season pretty much has. Um, but, listen, there's still a, a potential bright side opportunity to get a bowl. Um, and, and, obviously, we know what the 2023 class is looking like. And transfer portal is looking very strong uh, for Miami. So, um, so, a lot of negative, but at least some, some sliver of positive, right? Yeah, we do have some slivers of, of positivity, I, I guess you could say. I mean, uh, it's pretty bad, though. It, it's uh, pretty bad. I don't think anybody thought it was going to be 
this bad uh, for the Miami Hurricanes. But here we are, uh, a playing for a, a, a win here against Pitt. Um, win or lose here, though, Frank, um, do the do the coordinators, Kevin Steele and Josh Gaddis, deserve another year here? Uh, is there is there a situation where uh, you see them staying with the program? Uh, from what I hear, uh, um, there's a high possibility that they will be with the program um, for the 2023 season. Uh, what 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 do you see kind of playing out with those two guys? With Gaddis, it, it's it's time it's time, man. I, I've been a pretty much a Gaddis supporter the entire season. Uh, I, I vouched for him, you know, through the personnel issues, the injuries, the you know, the lack of scoring. But I think last week was just kind of icing on the cake in, in being able to bash Gaddis. You know, ninety eight yards of total offense. One first down in the first half, It's it, that's unacceptable. Uh, you know, you can have personnel issues, but Furman should not have a better offensive performance than the University of Miami, and that's what happened. I don't think he deserves another year. Uh, I think he's probably – I think there's probably going to be a mutual um, separation. Um, you know, Gaddis is probably going to look for another opportunity, kind of like – kind of like offensive co- coordinators we've had in the past that just didn't work out um, after even just a couple of years. And uh, I think he's uh, he's the new Dan Enos. He's the new Dan Enos. And that's, and that's sad to say, but uh, I think he's gone. Steel probably deserves another year, but the question is, does, does he want that? Right. It, could he potentially retire, step down from the job? Uh, I, I think that, you know, he might be a little too old, uh, might be too long in the tooth uh, for this type of position at Miami, especially with the recruiting uh, that 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 defense coordinator position is probably going to entail. Um, so, you know, I, I I don't I think that Miami should be looking for two new coordinators as soon as next season. Now, I, I actually think that they both should stay another year uh, just because, you know, it, there's going to be a whole rehaul uh, or, or overhaul, I should say, of the of the roster. And I, I think they deserve to really kind of have more of their guys to, to use bonus standpoint, because let's face it, college football is a business. I think aesthetically you kind of have to make the move because it just doesn't look good. You know, it just, Miami has been historically bad. And if they lose this game, It'll be only the only second time uh, in about 50 years or so or, or that uh, Miami has lost more than uh, six games uh, in a season. So I think aesthetically, I feel like um, pe- people may look at you retaining these two guys as, you know, Al Golden all over again, you know, like the Al Golden area where he was kind of, he just kept his guy D'Onofrio in there for, for a while, uh, for way too long than he should have been in there. So I'd like to see a, a scenario where Gaddis actually stays on, on the staff 
and just look, they bring in a new guy, um, maybe at offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, uh, Frank Ponce, I'm not so sure if he's the answer at offensive coordinator because the quarterbacks haven't really developed to a level where you feel confident that he can take over now an entire offense. So the, those, those are my two two points about the, the whole coordinator situation. Um, I, I think this, this team and program probably – deserves a reset after this, you know, abysmal season that they're deserve to another year just to see what they could do with their guys. But like I said, from a business standpoint and from an aesthetic standpoint, I think, um, you know, moving on from the coordinators might be a good move. And um, coordinators moving on, players moving on. It, it has been we have players that have uh, officially are transferring out kids. And I, I wanted to question you, uh, Frank, about because we're it, let's be honest, we're gonna we're gonna see more transfers, and Sunday is gonna play out to be as one of the more historic days when it comes to the transfer portal as far as the, the number of kids that are transferring out. And there's more players on the team and some won't be. So which players do you think it's in their best interest to transfer out from the University of Miami? I think some guys where it's their best interest to transfer out would be like a Romello Benson, um, as well as the likes of Jalen Knight and, um, and, and even potentially uh, a Corey Flagg, right? Guys that, you know, have had a role in the past in this team. I mean, even Romello Brinson, when he wasn't getting passes, was getting, a, you know, a solid amount of snaps in that, rece- in that dwindling receiver core. Jalen Knight in that time, so we, we've seen him have a 100-yard game this year. I still think that, uh, with potentially Mark Fletcher ending up in this 2023 class, Javante Citizen um, getting healthy next year as a guy that they were really excited about. It's probably going to overtake uh, Rooster um, in the depth chart next year. With Corey Flagg, you got three linebackers coming in. We know what Malik Bryant can do. He's been one of the better players in the state of Florida and overall the country. There's a reason he's the number one ranked outside linebacker in the nation. Bobby Washington might take a year for him to get on, but I think he can have a Wesley Bassain type impact next season, um, you know, as, as, a, as a rotational guy early on that could potentially, uh, you know, make an impact with his physicality and things of that nature. And then Raul Gary, we, we know he's he's one of the top linebackers in the country as well. Four-star prospect, top 10 linebacker, uh, got that inside linebacker prototype type body, physicality, he, you know, is athletic enough to play a linebacker. I think Corey Flagg's probably going to be out of the rotation as soon as next year. They can talk about him as a quarterback all that they want in the defense, and Kevin Steele can vouch for him. But there are some limitations with him athletically, and we've seen it so many times this year. Uh, And I think he's been a huge reason why uh, quarterbacks have been able to run all over Miami. Um, You know, and with Romello Brinson, you you see what they're doing in the transport already. Andrew Armstrong was a recent offer um, out of Texas A&M Commerce, six foot six, kind of fits that Colby Young type mold. 
Um, and then, you know, they, they got a, a couple guys coming in that are more slots, um, but are going to be fighting for reps. And, and if, if you have more, more guys that are impact players that are slots, like Xavier Estrepo, potentially Brashard Smith, get more of a look next year, uh, Ray Ray Joseph, Robbie Washington, then you might need to go to more of a, a scheme and a fit that has small, that fits smaller receivers. And that could mean less and less snaps for Romello Brinson. And he wasn't really doing much this year anyway. So I think all those guys should probably be looking for other spots as soon as next year. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Knighton of all the names that you said is probably the one that kind of surprised me the most. Um, but I understand, you know, uh, you know, what, what you, mean by that um really kind of depends on the running backs that they eventually get in this 2023 class uh to see if that's you know really truly a, a, an option that rooster should take uh but i i totally agree with everybody else uh that you said uh, some names that i would include is avante williams i i think avante williams it's it's in his best interest to, to transfer out of the program because um you know, a- athletically, it, it seems like he's not as good as, as a James Williams. And he, he's definitely way uh, far away from <laughs> Cam Kitchens. <laughs> and and, and um, so I, I think it, it's in his best interest. He was a highly talent, touted uh, recruit uh, coming out of high school uh, in central uh, Florida. So he, I, I think, would, would benefit to to go some somewhere else. And then the other guy for me, I think, is is Jake Garcia. He's kind of the odd man out as far as quarterbacks are concerned uh, for the future because uh, I strongly believe Tyler Van Dyke is going to return next season and with Jakari Brown as the quarterback and waiting. And then you have Emery Williams uh, there as well. He's potentially just serving as a backup for Tyler Van Dyke and or Jakari Brown. And I just don't see him really maximizing his collegiate career by staying. So he's he's definitely a guy I, I could see, uh, you know, potentially tra- it, would, it would be in his best interest to, to transfer out of the program. Uh, but l- let's talk about some guys that we wouldn't want to see transfer out or, or we want to see to continue to develop. And one for me is is Lawrence Seymour, man. Uh, I think Lawrence Seymour is a guy that, uh, you know, due to injury, got a lot of playing time this season. Um, he struggled at times, but he excelled at it in some in some games as well. And I think he, you know, deserves a shot to really kind of – uh, stay on the team at least for another year. Um, I don't think Connor Liu, uh, as far as is, is kind of ready to kind of jump into the fold uh, as soon as next year. Um, so I think he should, um, you know, definitely stay another year. And, um, uh, you know, as far as other guys, I, I think um, a lot of the young DBs I feel should, should, stay, should stay another year. Uh, like Jaden Harris, I think he should, you know, stay another year um, with the program and, and kind of continue to uh, develop. And as well as uh, some of the uh, guys on the defensive line as well, like uh, Thomas Jones, I, I feel like he should stay uh, with the program. I think Ahmad Moten should also stay with the program as well. These are really young players 
uh, that have really yet to really kind of show their potential. So I, I think those those guys for me, I wouldn't want to see those guys transfer out. I mean, those guys may possibly transfer out, um, but um, I, I just don't see uh, I don't see a lot of value with them with them going somewhere else, and I think that they can really kind of benefit. Uh, to stay with the program. And then another player, um, you know, kind of backtrack that I think would kind of be in his best interest to possibly transfer out is Dominic Mamorelli. Uh, I, I think he should, uh, I think he should try his, his, put his chance to the, the transfer portal, but he, he and, and Jaleel Skirt you know, clearly jumped him in the, in the depth chart. And um, I think he is going to be the odd man out with these three tight ends coming in. You got Reed McKeska, you got Jackson Carver, and then, of course, Riley Williams uh, coming into the fold next next year. I just don't see a place for Dominique Memorelli at, at all. So those, those are some names uh, that I think we should be uh, aware of as far as transferring out and those are my opinions on, on some of those guys. Any other players that you would want to see stay with the program? I think any young player that came in under Cristobal or, you know, has seen some playing time in the past year should probably be staying. Um, I totally agree with you on Mamorelli. I think he's a, I think he's a solid player. I think he just kind of got caught up in one of the stronger positions for Miami over the last what decade. Uh, you know, he, he's a really good blocker. He showed some ability at Naples uh, as a player that can catch the ball to the backfield. Um, you know, and, and and I think a smaller a smaller environment might be really good for him. Um, you know, Avante Williams is, is intriguing to me because I, I feel like that there could be a use for him still in the defense, right? Uh, you know, with James Williams getting closer to the box. Um, you know, and, and him having some issues this year on top of that, he hasn't always been the most consistent player. I don't think you ever want to lose depth at a, at a position of strength, especially when there's a talented player like Avante Williams. Um, but, I, you know, obviously there was some issues with him this year. You know, the, the, the Instagram deleting everything from Miami, uh, you know, and, and, and any rumors that there were, you know, in the first few games about him potentially transferring. I wish that they could try to fix that kind of how you feel about Rooster. Um, but, but I get, I get what you're saying in regards to him potentially finding a new home because he could be an impact player at another program. He, he's got that type of talent was once at IMG Academy. Uh, just, he was, you know, in the conversation with the number one safety in the country for a reason. So, um, but I, I don't really have anybody else that I think should transfer. I, I think that there probably is going to be some backup guys that ended up leaving the program, especially a defensive back. Like Kamari Rogers is a prob is probably a guy that leaves, especially with his father's comments. Um, on Twitter just a few weeks back. Um, you know, I, I could definitely see, you know, the likes of Peyton uh, Matocha. Uh, does he even have another year if he does? Potentially him outside of the program. Yeah, how, long is, how long has he even been on the team, right? It like feels like forever. It <laughs> feels like forever. I think he was like the first class for Mark Rick. <laughs> so, oh, my goodness. You know. Yeah, COVID, COVID has been good to him. Um, but uh, if, if he's got another year, I could definitely see him leaving. Um, you know, any any offensive line, like big baby Lawrence Seymour, I don't think he leaves. I, I, I think that there's potential for him to be a package deal 
uh, with his brother. Um, but we could see what happens on that. You know, I think him getting some playing time and being that versatile player that can play mean, guard. What do you mean? What do you mean by a package deal with his brother? Uh, you never know if his brother ends up. You know, if if uh, Pitt really wants to keep him uh, in their class, you know, there's been some talk about him going to Auburn uh, and potentially flipping there with his quarterback. Um, you know, and even Auburn, if they wanted to offer, you know, to have his brother come as a transfer and get to, get a true opportunity to see the field. Would not be surprised to see that happen. Um, you know, he, he wasn't a Mario recruit. He was part of that 2021 class. He's more of an undersized offensive lineman, 6'1", 6'2". Uh, we know how good he can be because we, we saw it, you and I, in person at Miami Central as the best yeah. trench player maybe in South Florida. Um, but he's just really not what Mario Cristobal recruits. I mean, even like the Connor losing the Antonio Trips like 6'4 and bigger uh, at center. So it's – he doesn't fit that mold of Alex Maribel and, and Mario Cristobal, but he did a great job stepping in as a, as a rotational guy. And I think he has some depth value, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him potentially go with his brother to uh, wherever his brother ends up signing to. Interesting. We may see more of see more with his brother. Uh, so <laughs> that, that's, that's kind of interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, so, any anybody else or was was that it? Um, because yeah, I mean, pretty, I that's pretty much okay. it. I think that's pretty much it. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Mario Cristobal, especially if Dan Lanning, um, you know, goes first one of those SEC type jobs. Like if Ole Miss goes after Dan Lanning or something like that with a big money, and you know, things I hear about him potentially trying to return to the SEC, and you know, him being a guy that really has bounced around on a, a year to year basis. Um, you know, I, I could definitely see him uh, potentially going back to the SEC. And if that happens, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Miami go after like a Justin Flo at Oregon or or somebody like that, like a Noah Sewell, um, just because, you know, linebackers still a need, right? Like they can talk great about Corey Flagg. And I know we have three linebackers committed, but I would not be surprised to see that being a, a position of focus in the transfer portal. Um, you know, Caleb Johnson leaves, uh, Avery Huff probably a goner in the transfer portal, um, you know, and, and Corey Flagg just not getting the job done. You don't really want to throw the young guys in the fire before they they, they deserve to, kind of like how they did with Wesley Besaint this year. But I, I could see some 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 guys um, from that West Coast, kind of like how we did with Caleb Johnson, uh, to be a target in the transfer portal. I'm glad you brought up linebackers because that brings me to another guy that could potentially transfer, and that's Keontre Smith. What do you think about him staying or going? I think he stays. I think he stays. I think he's a South Florida guy. Uh, he's not. He's not really like an NFL. Which doesn't prospect. mean a lot, though. A lot of these South Florida guys. Are yeah, <laughs> yeah, but he's got a, a ton of playing time this year. I think the six players we've seen kind of exit the team this year, like the Jalen Harrells, Keyshawn Washingtons. Are guys that really didn't see the field, and there really was no path to playing time for them as soon as next season. So I don't really think he fits that mold. Uh, you know, I know Shamanat uh, has had Thad leave and and Allen High leave now in the program, but yeah. I think he's a Miami kid. I think he's a Miami kid. I think he has a potential role as that strong safety type player, special teams type leader guy type guy. The coaches like him. Uh, that's why they keep putting him on the field, but. Um, I just don't see him transferring. I don't see him transferring. Maybe like a grad transfer uh, down, like maybe in his final season, if, if those three freshmen end up being studs. Uh, but I, I see him potentially. I see him in the program 
uh, next season still. Well, I'm glad you say that because I, I do like Keontre Smith a lot. I think he, uh, he made a few plays this season, and I think he deserves another year uh, with this staff and, and uh, this new culture change that we're seeing at Miami. So to kind of switch things over back to the game, though, um, TVD is kind of the big question mark once again to play uh, in the regular season finale against Pitt. My question to you, Frank, is if TBD is, let's say, you know, 85%, do you start him against Pitt? No, no, because I think he comes back next year, and I think he's your starting quarterback at, at the University of Miami in 2023. You don't want to ruin that guy. You don't want to ruin him for a game that would help you get to a bowl but could ruin your whole next season because – Love Ja'Curry Brown and love the ability that he brings. I still think that there needs to be some further off-season development, uh, you know, some time to, you know, still kind of groom himself as a passer. Um, and, and I don't think he's ready yet. So I, you do not punt on 2023 in your starting quarterback by playing Tyler Van Dyke in a game where he's still injured. Uh, but if he's healthy – you play him if, if he's close to like ninety five percent, like something where it's that's, he's that's still, what I was gonna ne- that's what I was gonna ask you next. I was like gonna be like okay ninety five percent. Yeah, you, like if, if he's a if he's a slight questionable like how the NFL does it right. Like if he was a if he's like a strong limited practice per you know uh, performer like that level of participation. I, I think I would be okay with him suiting up um, or maybe even being like in an emergency type role. But if if it's still if it's still bothering him, if it's inhibiting his ability to play and throw the ball vertical, kind of how we saw him last time, you don't play him. You don't play him because you don't want to set back and you don't want to hurt his offseason uh, recovery, I guess you could say. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I uh, definitely don't want to see a performance like we saw against Florida State where he was basically playing with one arm out there and, you know, which hindered his rehab process. So, Definitely don't want to see a situation like that, uh, but definitely could see him in the bowl game. Uh, I definitely could see that scenario if Miami indeed makes it to a bowl game. But will they? Is is Jakari Brown enough to engineer this team to a victory? Because last time out, I mean, I know it was Clemson and Pittsburgh's no, no Clemson. But they are the best team against the run, which in the conference, um, which means you're going to have to throw the ball. You're going to have to throw it to win this game. And Jakari Brown, outside of a, a few throws against Georgia Tech, really hasn't shown that he can throw the ball effectively, consistently. So with all that being said, do you think Miami can put up enough offense to even keep up with Pittsburgh if Tyler Van Dyke doesn't start or play? I don't. I don't. I, I love, like I said, I love Jakari Brown. I, I don't think that the running game is going to be good enough to, to overcome Pitt. And I think that they're going to try to make a statement, Pitt, right? It, it's, it's, they're at seven wins right now. If they can get to eight, right, that's huge for them in recruiting because – 
there's still some guys that they need to go after. They just lost the quarterback to Notre Dame, right? They got to get back into the good graces of a lot and a lot of recruits. Um, and eight wins is way better looking than seven. And and even in a bad year for Miami, there's still a signature win for everybody in the ACC. You know, they're, you're going to get the best from every team you play because, uh, you know, even Virginia Tech's coach, uh, you know, Brent Key said uh, when he played Miami, um, you know, they, they put it to Miami and they won by like three points. <laughs> so it's that it, it's just one of those signature type victories. And I, and I think Pittsburgh's going to bring their best. And if Jakari Brown is is the starting quarterback, I don't think that they're going to be able to throw the ball enough. And as you said, Pitt is the best team at stopping the run in the conference. Uh, Charlie Partridge is one of the best defensive line coaches in the country, and his team is going to be ready to go. Yeah, I mean – I don't. I disagree with the fact that uh, Pittsburgh's going to be motivated to play this game. I, I don't. I don't think they're really going to be motivated. They've already, you know, the difference between like a seven-win season and an eight-win season is not a big difference. You know, it's not a big difference where you would be like, oh, we really need to go down there and you know show what we can do. I think, um, you know, they are going to play it safe. I heard, uh, can't, uh, you know, the defensive lineman Elijah Cansey out of uh, Miami Northwestern is li- likely probably not going to play Israel Abenconda, Abenconda, I think I said that <laughs> name right, <laughs> is, uh, you know, was banged up in the last game as well. So he's a heavy, uh, you know, carrier of the football. Let's just say that they give him, they give him the ball a lot. And I, I, I just don't think you risk, him for next season as well, you know, like just like with the TBD situation. Now, the motivation is the fact that Miami's won four straight against Pitt, so they do want to kind of get off the schneid. Can you believe the last time the Pitt actually beat Miami was that game in Pitt where Miami was undefeated and trying to finish the undefeated season? That's the last time Pitt beat Miami. Uh, when I looked that up today, I was like, well, I can't believe that was the last time. So Miami has had Pitt's number, and we've seen situations like this uh, a couple years back, too, where Miami, I don't believe, was favored in the game. It was the last game of the season, and then Miami end up, ends up winning like 24-3 or something like that. Miami's going to be highly motivated. They usually play better at night. They haven't played well at home, though, this season. So I do think this game is not going to be an embarrassment. Uh, that that's that's what I think. I don't think it's going to be an embarrassing game. Now Miami may end up losing it at the end, um, you know, to a, a QB turnover or something like that. But um, I think Miami's going to be more motivated than Pitt, and we all, we both know that college football is is a kind of a motivational type of game. Uh, uh, as well as a high school game, of course. Um, and I think they're just going to be motivated to play. So I think defensively, if Miami can just make them a one-dimensional team, this team is not good at throwing the football. This guy, Caden Slovis, is not – you know, he's got like seven picks this year. I mean, he's not somebody that I think would – that will hurt uh, Miami as other quarterbacks in the ACC have. So the question is, is if they can just score like three touchdowns, <laughs> because if they think if they get there, they win this game, to be honest. Um, 
but will they get there, man? Based on what the performance we saw against Clemson, you're kind of led to believe that that will not happen. But let's think back to that Georgia Tech game where, where uh, I would say Pitt is kind of kind of a similar team to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech actually beat Pitt uh, this season, so this game could go either way for me. But um, I tell you what, uh, Jakari Brown has got to make some throws. That's the thing. He just has to make some throws. He has to be schemed up, it seems, to make those good throws. Uh, I know there's not a lot of confidence in in our OC to scheme up things (laughs) based on what we've seen. But I just just don't think it's going to be an embarrassment on Saturday. And I hope the Hurricanes prove me right on that one. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be embarrassing. I don't want to be miserable again in the press press box watching a Hurricanes football game. Yeah, it seems to be a, a, every time we're you and I are in the press conf in the press box, we we end up uh, losing, uh, and it, and it seems like you have to uh, write like a eulogy uh, for the <laughs> right for the post presser article. Uh, so hopefully that that's not what happens this week. But I think even if Chikari Brown plays, it's going to be close just because I think Miami's going to control the clock in some way, shape, or form, even if they don't score a ton of points. Like, I, don't, I don't think Pitt is some powerhouse or anything like that. It's not going to be three and out every time they play. And, and, and you're right. Uh, you know, Pitt's not a powerhouse offensively either. Uh, you know, and, and if their running back is, is not at 100% or if he doesn't play, um, that's going to hurt them heavily. Um, I mean, even against Clemson, Miami was did a pretty good job defensively. Cam Kitchens, another great performance, and I think he's going to try to put a cap on the year um, in a strong way uh, for his All American, uh, you know, argument uh, that's that's going on right now. Um, which ha- have we even had? Uh, you know, the best. Def- Has anybody ever won the the Thorpe Award? We've had one guy, right? No, I don't think Miami's ever won the the Thorpe Award. Yeah, so if what if he could get in the conversation of that with another huge performance, you know, seven seven plus picks on the year, you know, leads the team, you know, potentially gets close to leading the team in tackles, uh, you know, and and is able to make some plays. I think that would be huge for him. So I don't know. Miami's got a chance. I just think if Tyler Van Dyke plays, they they probably come in with a better chance to win. Jakari Brown, you're 100 right, needs to make some throws though, and that's what I'm scared of. Yeah, I think frightened at that idea of him uh, trying to will this team to a victory with with, with his uh, arm. Uh, nobody's afraid of his legs, though, uh, as far as willing this team to to a victory with his legs. But you know, Pitt's been tough against the run, like 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 we said. So it's going to be a tall task for Miami. But if they lose, man, it's going to be doom and gloom for, for this program. The only thing that could possibly save them if they lose is if they can backdoor their way into a bowl game as a five-win team. And I just posted a story on uh, canescounty.com that really kind of details pretty much the scenario in which Miami can get get in there. And it, it's, it's a good possibility, actually, because I don't know if you know this, Frank, but it basically comes down to academic success rate uh, for, you know, the five and seven teams. And all of the teams that are above Miami 
are likely going to lose uh, this this uh, weekend. We're talking about Georgia Tech. We're talking who's playing Georgia. We're talking about uh, Vanderbilt, who's going to be playing Tennessee. Um, the only team that might win is Rice. Rice is above them. Um, or Rice, I mean, has a higher academic success rate, but it's a whole list on, on that article. Uh, so they could backdoor their way into a bowl game, depending on how everything plays out tonight and tomorrow. Um, so I don't want to say that's a moral victory <laughs> uh, if it happens, but you know that that's something that will likely be decided before kickoff tomorrow because Miami is going to be uh, playing Pitt at 8 o'clock in the evening time. So those games will be over, and we'll have a better idea if Miami needs to win the game or not. I mean, they need to win the game regardless, just for just for uh, aesthetic purposes, for motivational purposes, uh, and for recruiting purposes as well. Uh, so... We'll see how it all plays out, but Miami can still go bowling with a loss. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you this question. If you're five and seven, do you accept a bowl game invite if you're Mario Cristobal? Or do you just absolutely. live with the seven losses? Nah, absolutely. I I mean, I don't think Mario's Cristobal's pride is that big where he's gonna say, no, nah, we we don't deserve to go to a bowl game. I think he I think he really values the, the extra practices and, you know, possibly going on the road, that situation. Um, I think that is more valuable than just kind of dismissing the team and being like, oh, you guys don't deserve because they don't deserve it. And on, in, in all honesty, they don't deserve to go to a bowl game if they can't be pit on Saturday. But I think you accept that bowl bid wherever it is. Um, likely, I hear the Gasparilla Bowl and the Fenway Bowl are, are the likely two destinations. Uh, if it's the Fenway Bowl, I'm going, man, because I've always wanted to go to Fenway. <laughs> and, and then my wife's from Boston, same time. So it's like a perfect, perfect uh, scenario. Uh, Gasparilla Bowl, I'll probably go to that too, man. That's in Tampa. Um, you know, got family in that Tampa Bay area as well. And, you know, it's, you'll, you'll get some Canes fans that will travel up for the game. If it's one of those two scenarios, I think, uh, it's the soul. I say, no, <laughs> no, I think they're going to go either way. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that's the only probably bowl that I'd probably say no to. Um, but if it's the poinsettia bowl, I think you go, I think. You know, you're not going to be able to go to the Gator Bowl or the Cheez-It Bowl or any of these higher tier bowls. It's going to be likely the Fenway Bowl um, or the uh, Gasparilla Bowl. And I think you got to accept that bid. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think eight losses would look bad. I think eight losses would look bad. That scares me a little bit. It scares me a little yeah. bit. Crazy to, crazy to think that they can still make a bowl game, though. Uh, so I guess we will see. Um, you want to talk about, uh, some recruiting? Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, lastly, before we wrap this up, just kind of, you know, you've been uh, covering the, the offers that Miami's have been, uh, given out, uh, to the, to, to, to some recruits here. Wh which one of these offers really kind of excites you? Uh, the Maluki Smith kid, uh, as part of that Danny Hernandez coaching tree, one of the top quarterback coaches, 
uh, in the country, um, big time presence in California. Um, he actually has coached a lot of notable quarterbacks, like as, as a trainer. Um, so I, I'm intrigued about him in 2024. Um, and it is interesting that Josh Gaddis and Frank Ponce were actually the ones that offered him. Um, so I guess there's still some chance that Gaddis could be staying as he is still offering quarterbacks uh, for next season. Uh, but the Andrew Armstrong kid, transfer portal receiver, uh, was actually offered by Alonzo Highsmith. The last time that happened for a receiver, it was Colby Young. Um, so yeah. you know, for him to for him to be going after a guy with the same profile from a small school, right, moving up in competition, uh, you know, not really a known commodity until as of you know until 24 hours after you know he entered the transfer portal where, where offers starting to pour in. He was a, a no name kid coming out of high school, um, but he has grown two inches, put on almost 20 pounds. Uh, looks like an absolute freak, had over a 1,000 yards this year, double-digit touchdowns. He could be a guy that comes in right away and plays, and now you got two six-foot-six or taller receivers on the outside for the Miami Hurricanes. Don't know if we've ever had that. We've had, like, Lawrence Cager on occasion, and, uh, you know, Daryl Langton was was a momentary, you know, blip. Um, but to have two freaky athletic big-time targets on the outside is super intriguing, and obviously, we know that Miami needs help receiver. Um, outside of that, you know, I, I, you know, we're on Sam, Samson Okunlola watch. I know there's been some smoke about Florida, um, you know, and him, him potentially, you know, going there uh, instead of Miami. But I still, I still like Miami's chances. I still think they're a leader. And Mark Fletcher is a Miami lean. Don't listen to any anything that anybody says. Otherwise, Miami is Miami is offering the most in, in regards to playing time. Um, and, and off the field opportunities uh, for Mark Fletcher. Um, and that is a huge Canes fan. That is a huge Canes fan. And that is going to play a factor uh, in his recruitment because if it was anything other than that, Michigan and Penn State would be in there because they are two schools that produce running backs and have two really good running back coaches. So uh, I love Miami there. And, and I think that Damari Brown and Mark Fletcher could be a tandem. So love, waiting to see what yeah, happens. I don't, I don't, I don't believe the the Florida smoke either uh, at all. I mean, I think that's something that the Gators fans just like to kind of rile up. Um, and you know, if if it's not if it's not Miami though, what if it's not Florida? I mean, um, what other schools did, did you said Penn State and Michigan are, are also are also yeah. contenders? Yeah. So you know, I, I've heard that you know his, I've heard that his best visit overall in the process was Michigan. I don't know if they're going to be able to get back into it. They already have, uh, you know, Cole Cabana committed right now, who's a four-star running back, top 10 kid. Uh, you know, Penn State is really going after Chris Johnson. That is a team to watch in the Chris Johnson uh, stakes as as Lane Kiffin is likely to end up at all. Yeah, that, that Christopher Johnson, uh, this recruiting is, is starting to become a circus now. Like, it, it's, it's, it's all over the place all of a sudden. Like, it started off Miami pretty strong. And then Ole Miss out of nowhere, and then Miami again, pretty strong. And now he's taking a visit to Clemson for the South Carolina Clemson game. And now you're saying Penn State is involved. Yeah, it's crazy. Late visit scheduling. You know, he scheduled an official visit to Clemson, right? Like these were teams that he was saying weren't even in the race at the very beginning, right? Like he wasn't even talking about these schools like that, um, you know, and, and they've been recruiting him pretty much the entire time. So it's, 
it's weird to see. Um, and, I, and, I, and, it, and it's crazy because we're, we're inside the situation, right? We're, we're hearing from sources directly inside the decision-making process. Uh, and, and even they can't get a read on the total situation right now. He is, he has gone from a Miami lean to who knows where he's leaning right now. Cause you know, it was, it was Ole Miss, but now Ole Miss might not even have a coach, uh, you know, and, and it doesn't look like Auburn's going to be a take for him because they have a kid in Cobb who's one of the top running backs in the country already committed to their program. And it looks like Cadillac Williams has locked himself in an opportunity to be on whoever staff ends up getting the job. Um, so, you know, I, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Chris Johnson. I think Mark Fletcher is way more likely to end up in this class than him. Um, I still think Miami's pushing, as we saw. He was on a visit, um, you know, pretty recently with a couple of teammates um, who, are, who are actually, like, really good players. I, I know people think, like, it was just teammates visiting. Marcus Struggles and Edward Lewis are really good slot receivers. Not saying that they're Miami offer guys right now, but – they're definitely names to watch as well, especially if, if oh, yeah. Miami strikes out in 2024 with the top guys. I would love to see like an Edward Lewis in the class. Explosive kid. He's probably going to hit 10-5 times. Yeah, he's probably going to hit like 10-5 times in the 100-meter and track uh, this year. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with him. But, uh, yeah, Chris Johnson, a little weird situation. Uh, but I think Antoine Jackson being close with the kid um, is going to help that. Um, and we'll see – what happens with Penn State at running back because, uh, you know, they are always in the in the conversation for the top backs in the country. Yeah, I'd like to see Miami take both of those guys, uh, especially since you don't have a, a back really committed. And they're both very different as far as the type of running backs uh, they are. I think you, you kind of need both types, you know. You need like an all-purpose back who Scott Speed and Christopher Johnson, and then you got – you need a bulldozer uh, type of back that can possibly carry it, you know, 20, 25 times a game if you need them in, um, in a Mark Fletcher, especially in late game situations. So hopefully that pans out. I did have a chance to speak with Samson Okunlola this week. It's kind of hard to, you know, uh, pinpoint exactly where he's leaning, but he did confirm that Miami still, you know, uh, texting him the most. And then I asked him too, and I was like, are you texting him back the texting Miami back the most? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, he kind of laughed that off, but he was like, yeah, uh, I'm definitely texting them back the most. So they, Miami putting in as strongest relationship, a play I think is going to be in the running all of a sudden is Ohio state. I, I he kind of mentioned Ohio state a couple of times. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out there at, at the game. The season is already over um, over there uh, where he plays uh, high school ball in, in New England. So, you know, he's pretty much open uh, to kind of visit anywhere uh, between now and, and signing. He wants to sign before National Signing Day. Uh, he expects to release a top schools list within about a week. Uh, so obviously Miami's going to be in there, and I think they are still leading. Uh, for Samson Okunlola. So that if they if they indeed get him, I think this is going to be the best offensive line Miami has ever brought in um, as a recruiting class. Uh, to have two five stars, five stars, 
Francis Malgoin and Samson Okanlola, and then you got Connor Lou, Tommy Kinsler, Antonio Tripp, right? Kitenalau. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing to have that type of size on the offensive line come in in one haul. Uh, so I think it's a real possibility. And, uh, you know, he, he, he continued to say that Miami's got some really good dudes as far as the, as far as the uh, coaching staff is concerned. So I, I still think Miami leads there, but um, he's definitely going to feel his way out all, all, all the way up until when he signs. Yeah, I feel good about that one. So I, I think Miami finishes strong. I think they finish strong. And uh, I'm excited for the transfer portal. Uh, you and I were talking about it uh, this Sunday. Watch out, guys. Watch out for the names that drop. I think Miami might have some surprises. I wouldn't be surprised to see if some starters uh, jump in. The NI, listen, NIL is going to impact uh, the transfer portal this year, not just from the sense of getting kids, but kids jumping into the portal because they're not getting those opportunities wherever they're at, uh, comparative to the kids that they're bringing in. Uh, and they're going to be looking looking to get their money uh, in this class. Yeah, absolutely. You got to get the bag when you can. Why not? <laughs> All right. So that's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Uh, more on canescounty.com. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, and also uh, follow this podcast as well. It's on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. Uh, as well. So um, that's going to wrap it up for us. And hopefully time the next time we speak, we are going bowling. Until then.